Hi everybody, it's Marlene with Miami Ghost Chronicles Stories of the Supernatural. How are you all doing today? And today, Happy New Year everybody. Um, today I have a super guest from way <laughs> on the other end of the United States from here, from Miami. It's Bjorn Delay. And believe it or not, he is out of Alaska. And uh, as a matter of fact, he's a lifelong Alaskan and uh, he's a writer. He's been published in magazine Sierra, Alaska, Desert Companion, Coast and Kayak, Adventure Kayak, North of Ordinary, Earth Island Journal, High Country News, Bird Watching, Alaska Sporting Journal, Hunt Alaska and Fish Alaska. You've been all over the place. And uh, he writes a weekly outdoors column for the Juno Empire newspapers. Uh, which is called Off the Beaten Path, and a column for Hunt Alaska Magazine, uh, which is red gold. And, and he has a bi-monthly column for Fish Alaska Magazine, Cautionary Tales. And when not writing, which I imagine that's going to be most of the time, uh, he works as a wilderness and wildlife viewing guide and instructor for the University of Southeast Alaska's Outdoor Studies Program and at the Mental Health Unit of Bartlett Regional Hospital. Now... He definitely is an authority on Alaska and the outdoors, which is great because he wrote a book called Haunted Inside Passage, which is his first book. Okay. And of course, that's where the paranormal ties in. How are you doing today, Bijon? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely. No, my pleasure. My pleasure. Um, let me ask you, uh, it sounds like, I mean, of course, everybody, when they think of Alaska, they absolutely think of the outdoors. It's like, it's a given. But mm -hmm. um, it sounds like you spend more than your share outdoors. Um, yeah. Imagine besides the part, the, the time that you spend writing, you're out there, uh, out there, <laughs> period. Yeah, Which, so basically in the, Instead of hibernating in the winter, I write during the winter, and then oh. I kind of come come back to life in April, and you know don't write for okay. five six months because I'm too busy. Um, okay. You know, doing my own trips in wild places, and also uh, guiding people uh, in wilderness areas too. So right, because what in winter out there, even some of these activities you just can't do it because of the weather. So people just leave it off till the right time of the year to go out there. Yeah, you know, for me, I don't really have any time off. I, I, I run a, I do a brown bear viewing trips, taking people out to look at brown bears. Really? And then I just do my own, my own wilderness trips. So I'm basically kind of in manic mode during the summer. And then, you know, winter comes along and you, you have time. I still, you know, work in a, a psych ward during the winter, you know, two days a week. And I have five days a week to, to work on writing and all that good stuff. So. You've got your own cycle going on. Like you said, you don't hibernate, yeah. but you've got things going on. Like you already got everything down, Pat. Now, let me ask you. I know that you wrote this book about paranormal. Um, I don't know if some of them, you know, are, you know, urban myths or just tales that are told. But before we get into mm -hmm. that, have you ever had your own firsthand experience with the paranormal? You know, that's a, that's a tricky question for me. Um, I've, you know, I've encountered lots of strange stuff that I can't really explain, uh, mm -hmm. but it's maybe not your stereotypical um, ghost or whatever sort of encounter you want to call it. Okay. Um, but I've had lots of, I mean, lots of, lots of, lots and lots of strange stuff that, you know, be it with wildlife or um, really? just with the landscape. 
Oh. Uh, that, that, you know, it's just, I can't explain what happened, but it, it's definitely different than your, okay. your, what, what you might view. And you know what? I understand totally what you mean, that in some instances, you might not be ready to put the supernatural, the paranormal ID on it. But at the same time, like you said, there's just something about it that you can't quite explain or come with a logical, rational explanation for what it was mm-hmm. that you witnessed, you know, on whatever level. Uh, mm-hmm. No, for sure. Uh, and th- what happened? This was uh, because it seems that you've been there all your life. Was this as a child that you started or after an adult that you were going out there? When did you start? Um, you know, it's interesting. Uh, I uh, set out to write this book in a different sort of lens, kind of more through telling the history of Southeast Alaska through kind of encounters with wildlife. And uh, okay. I couldn't get the book published, so I ended up, uh, publishers wanted a, a, a yes. book about paranormal encounters. I know, please stop. I, I want to interrupt you because I was reading one of your things that you were talking about, <laughs> that you were trying to get your book published. And I'm not going to go into exactly what you were saying, but it was funny. I, by the way, I'm going to interrupt you because I was laughing when I was reading it. <laughs> Yeah, so it, it was pretty, it was a pretty interesting situation, but uh, I guess I'll just kind of give you, it, it kind of, this. I think this will, it will answer your question in a roundabout way, but basically, okay, uh, gr- growing up in Southeast Alaska, you, a lot of people go missing, um, it's a dark, wild place, you know, everything's kind of, it's mountains, uh, basically, on one side of where I live, there's a 1,500 square mile ice field, just glaciers. Wow. And on the other side, there's this, this archipelago, these islands that are just, you know, many believe have the densest population of brown bears on Earth. So, you know, I'm crammed in this uh, little city in between that area. So you grow up mm-hmm. with those two things on your side. People disappear, um, you know, boats go down. And there's this story, you know, we grow up hearing about. Uh, it's a it's a Klinkit story that's very much been assimilated into uh, just the culture of Southeast Alaska. It's it's a, it's this boogeyman we call the Kushtaka, okay. um, and it roughly translates as the Land Otter Man or or Slim People, Slim People. Um, wow. And so we and you know, they basically are responsible for luring people in the woods or out in the ocean, drowning them, possessing souls. But growing up, you you hear these stories and they just they scare the hell out of you. I bet. Um, and so for me, that was kind of my introduction to the to the paranormal were these mm-hmm. these 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 Kushtaka stories, which you know a lot of people. I mean, I know people who are Yale educated and they won't say the word. They won't say Kushtaka. You know, it's. Um, and, you know, so we hear these stories growing up, and uh, that was kind of my introduction. And, and this whole book was kind of built around the Kushtaka, you know, which is this very misrepresented, uh, whatever you want to call it, being um, in popular culture amongst white people. You know, it's often looked at as like a Sasquatch, but it's, it's much more complicated okay. uh, than, than that. So. Uh, it started with just kind of investigating these these Kushtaka stories and uh, very culturally culturally sensitive issue too, um, and then it kind of evolved into this book. So the whole book kind of pivots around the Kushtaka, uh, and then also incorporates um, 
basically the history of the last 300 years of Southeast Alaska, Northern Southeast, Southeast Alaska has told through paranormal events and unsolved mysteries. Um, so, you know, that the Kushika is kind of at the root of, of, you know, at least in Southeast Alaska of, you know, kind of the, the paranormal, uh, Right, well, because it sounds almost is like basically you're saying what is it that they're they're thought of as luring people away? Because like you said, there's a lot of people that go missing. What is it that they mm-hmm. lure them away, or once they're lost, then they do something to them? Yeah, basically, once you're lost, you you know you know some stories would say you know you you might be killed if you're lucky, but essentially you become a kushtaka, and it's it's a much more complicated story than like a monster luring you away you know i interviewed one clinkett elder and you know his he you know he said there's a kushtaka in every one of us and essentially what the kushtaka is is something that turns us into something we were never meant to be you know say a a, a murderer abuser a drug addict oh my god that's so very it's like, scary it's really interesting so it's you know it's but it's not just a metaphor it's a living metaphor which is you know, kind of goes beyond a lot of western understanding um so it's something it's this monster that lives inside of us but it also very much lives in the ocean and in you know the the rainforest wilderness that surrounds us in southeast alaska and you know especially as a kid Uh you know it's also something that's not really talked about because it's it's taboo in a way you know even talking about it um a lot of people you know just saying the name can summon it to you and, you know, oh it's, my God! It's, it's got one of those things going but, on, huh? Like, let's not talk about yeah. <laughs> he shall he like Valdemort. <laughs> yeah, it's it's you know it's, it's people take it serious and uh, no, I believe it. You know, for for me going into this project, you know, I I can't say I was a ghost guy. I wasn't mm-hmm. into the paranormal. I mean, I was interested, just like right. I feel like anyone that has any sense of curiosity at all, you know, any awareness that there's way more going on. Uh, than, than what makes up our little perspective. You know, there's so mm-hmm. much. I was interested, but it wasn't a ghost guy. And then doing this project, um, man, it really opened my eyes to uh, just just these different crazy experiences that people have. And I think one of the things that I took away the most um, from, you know, I basically worked on this for five months, you know, pretty much, you know, uh, relentlessly, uh, okay. and, uh, I, I, I would interview people, but then other people would come and tell me their stories that didn't pertain to what I was writing about. And what struck me was that once people were comfortable with you and they knew they weren't, oh, you yes. weren't going to ridicule them. Mm-hmm. It was like, everyone had ghost stories, people from, you know, uh, people, you know, I work with extremely psychotic patients, uh, mm-hmm. frequently everyone from those sort of folks to, uh, you know, Republican politicians in right. they 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 wanted to share these stories. I'd be at the yeah. checkout line, and someone would recognize me, and they'd start telling me a ghost story about a ghost that was present when they were giving birth to their child, or mm-hmm. this strange thing happened. And I couldn't include it in my book, but it was a uh, it, it just struck me. You know, it was uh, like you said, once how, they realize that you're not going to make fun of them. You, mm-hmm. For all you know, you might be the only other person besides themselves that has actually heard that story. Some of them, I definitely, uh, you know, some of them, yeah, and then some of them, some stories, you know, I, I 
I didn't put in, and I, you know, I was asked not to tell. They just wanted to yeah. to share. You know, some of the scariest stories, honestly, I, I can't. You know, I, I swore not to. No, I understand. Believe me, I've been there before. I've heard things where people, it's like, I just got to tell somebody. I mean, that, but mm-hmm. I know that some people, confidentiality is, and that's another thing that comes with it, besides the not making fun part, the the belief that, that you're going to hold their confidence and that you're not going to talk about it or much less give away their name. Uh, but yeah, I can understand why people, because they themselves, I think, sometimes have a hard time understanding what happened to them. But they know that it happened. Yeah. It's like I can't. it was, you know, what I kept coming across is this inexplicable event happened. Mm-hmm. I, you know, the person couldn't explain what it was. It didn't make sense. You know, there was it didn't really you couldn't confine it really to a narrative, but something very strange happened. And, you know, just someone who's willing to listen and not pass judgment, I think, is. It's helpful, I guess, oh, absolutely. for just dealing with So let me ask you stuff. something. All these people that you said that go missing, is it mostly because, what, they just get lost? They they get they go out and they don't know, they get off a tr- the track, they get lost, be in the wilderness, or how does that work? That Were people just bad weather? Um, you know, <laughs> probably the, the most common thing, uh, well, not even probably, but in southeast Alaska, people go missing on the water. The ocean's super dangerous. Oh, okay. um, so, you know, lots of fishermen mm-hmm. disappear. You know, people boating out to go deer hunting disappear. Um, planes disappear. Uh, you know, small planes, we, we definitely spent a lot of time uh, with, you know, flying in small planes. You know, sometimes people just walk. You know, actually, yeah, it does happen pretty frequently. People walk in the woods and they just vanish. Um, being that I spend so much time in the woods, you know, it's, it's easy to get lost. It's easy to get hurt. Um, and, then, and I imagine know, the weather does you in really quick because... Weather can do you in really quick. And, you know, some people point to different things. You know, it's interesting one guy who can, like, considers himself, I'm not going to say his name, a Bigfoot expert, you know, was saying that, you know, some of these women who've gone, we've had a number of women who've, who've gone missing in, in my area. Um, okay. You know, he's pointing to, he, his explanation was, you know, Bigfoot got him. And to me, that just is absurd. You know, it's so easy to. So in other words, okay, because get. of the ratio, I see what you're saying. Yeah, so it's just, it just, people disappear in a variety of ways. But generally, it's, you know, off boats. And that's, you know, something that's, you know. Let me ask something. Have you ever participated in, um, and I guess what, for lack of a better word, expeditions or efforts to locate people, considering that you spend so much time uh, in the wilderness? Uh, you know, uh, yeah, I have. Um, and then I inadvertently have 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 found. I've, I mean, I've found missing people inadvertently. I found missing planes inadvertently too. Really? I was so. that you beat me to my next question. I was gonna say, is it? Do you ever come across somebody that got lost a year or two years before, months before, and all of a sudden, maybe the weather changes and you find them, or what's left of them? I imagine. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I have found other millions of people. Um, you know, it's definitely it's some of it's pretty sensitive stuff as far as you know. Oh sure. Uh, yeah, but. Uh, but you know, I've I've found people who are lost and alive too, um, not on purpose, but you know. Right, right. So, um, yeah. So it's definitely that's just the way it is. Wow. 
I never realized that that many people, I mean, you always hear you have people, planes going down and yeah, and things like that. They didn't realize that that many people went missing like that. And, but you mentioned something earlier, which I thought was really interesting that part of the experiences that you've had have always also have to do with animals. Can you mm, tell me about yeah, that? I've, um, you know, I'm, I'm a total wildlife nerd, I think. <laughs> uh, and so, you know, I've, I mean, just, it's just countless, you know, I just, I'm amazed by, you know, just the psychology of animals and what we don't know. You know, I've had everything from a, a young bull caribou follow me when I was by myself all day at 20 feet away, you know, it just doesn't make sense. And just, you know, stuff like that, bears acting a certain way, okay. wolves, you know, trailing me, following me, you know, howling at me in weird situations. And really? Yeah, it just, it's kind of endless endless stuff honestly with wildlife so it's kind of in other words you're talking here like a connection obviously without oh, the I benefit mean, of I, vocal I cords so i know what you, i i imagine that's what you're talking about as far as there's a, some type of exchange maybe in the way you yeah, you I mean, don't even understand but oh i don't understand at all um i you know just the more time you spend out it's not something that i feel like we can articulate or really even understand like you know we kind of have been colonizing our thinking, you know, to, to think a certain way about how humans are and how animals are and how the world works, you know, say okay. we're, you know, colonizing the, the Western sense of thinking, you know, whatever, the Judeo-Christian sense, and then right. you start really spending time, especially by yourself, out in wild places, and that, that, that goes out the window. You know, there's, there's a lot going on, and, uh, and, you know, call it energy, call it Mm-hmm. you know, life force or whatever, but it's, uh, I imagine not it's something be I understand, but there. It's yeah, it's, it's something you feel it's, and you, you don't, you know, you can't really put it in words and maybe it's different for, you know, uh, some, I was in doing, as I, I was telling you earlier, I'm doing a bunch of interviews for kind of some environmental pieces I'm working on for a, mm-hmm. uh, Alaska magazine. And uh, one guy was saying that, you know, when you're out in the silence, your, your mind makes up, whatever you want to hear. So whatever you want to hear when you're out in this great silence, you know, your mind can, can, you know, contrive whatever you want to hear. It was, it was an interesting thought to think of, you know, when you're, when you are out so far beyond everyone else and society and whatnot, you know, what you end up, you know, is it something that you're creating that you feel on here or is it something that the world's giving you? I don't know. It's just fascinating. But, you know, I imagine that up to a certain point when you know yourself well enough or trust yourself well enough, you still also know what I'm hearing. Am I supposed to be hearing that? Is that part of the landscape or wherever it is that I'm at? Or is that something out of the norm that, like you said, that you're like, okay, this does not fit in for where I'm Mm -hmm. at? Yeah. So one of my strangest, you know, I don't know. I'm sure of, you know, one of my strangest, you can call it a paranormal experience if you want. Um, but it was one of those things where I'm a hundred percent sure it was happening. You know, oftentimes whatever you can write it off to sleep paralysis or, you know, but you know, you can, you can write off, you know, whatever strange thing happened to you just to coincidence or whatever you, you want to call it. But, uh, my, one of my strangest things that ever happened to me was I was on a, um, uh, basically just a solo um, trek across the Brooks Range, which is the Arctic most mountain range in Alaska. Um, 
wildest place really left on earth in my opinion and I started hearing and feeling these pulsations that sounded like an irregular heartbeat um you know in the mountains and tundra and wow. it lasted with me you know for for weeks and sometimes it was you know when I was really quiet and still say I was sitting I mean it become almost overwhelming um wow. and I've I've asked around you know other people who lived or have this, you know, some of the people in the villages that surround that area and who have traveled there. And some people kind of say they have experienced something like it, but I almost feel like it might just be the power of suggestion. And I even went back um, the same month in some of the same area this last August, and I didn't hear or feel it. But on that solo trip, that was, you know, uh, over five weeks long. Um, it really was a test to me. It was like, you know, it was just there from day two, three to the end of the trip and you know i called geologists you know talked to different you know professors of science and fairbanks and i don't i've never gotten a, an explanation to that's to what that was yeah so that's for me it's like that's something i can't write off in sure. my imagination or sleep paralysis or you know, whatever you want to call right it. right no and i know what you're saying that there's that we have an internal checklist that we could say it's not this, it's not this, it's not this. Okay, then what you're left with is okay. Well, even though I can't explain it, I can't say it was my imagination. In other words, which is what a lot of people do when they, you know, experience something that they can't quite fit into their whatever. So that was my imagination. But something like that, you can't do that. You just can't do that. Uh, and you leave it out there as one of those. And sometimes things are just like, like you said right place, right time, just meant for you. Um, now, on um, one of the stories that I saw that that, uh, that you have in your book uh, was something, uh, and I had, it, what was it? It was uh, about naked Joe Knowles. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. What, what, what's going yeah. on with that? <laughs> well, that's the, that's the least paranormal um story in the, you know, there's 20 stories in the, in the book. And I, uh, really debated whether or not to have that story in there, but I feel like it's so basically, I feel like reality TV haunts Alaska. <laughs> like, you know, like, and so I was like, I, and Je Joe Knowles was this, um, basically in my opinion, kind of the birth of before there was tel television, it was like in the twenties, this new survivalist wanders off into the main woods claiming he's going to survive, you know, off the, off the wilds and send back, you know, cartoons he's written on, uh, birch bark. And basically that, that whole kind of, I mean, it's completely bullshit. Um, and that whole sort of phenomenon came to Alaska with reality television. So that, okay. that, that story is essentially about me, uh, working on these different, as a, as a guide and safety coordinator on, uh, you know, when I was younger and more desperate for, for, for jobs, working on these reality show sets mm -hmm. where, you know, I mean, I mean, big companies who just told, I mean, they don't, all these shows are fake if, you know, if anyone's wondering. Um, um, and, uh, you know, I mean, I, I think I, I, I could get in trouble for some of the things I wrote in that one, which is fine with me. I don't really care, but you, you know, you <laughs> essentially have these, these producers who, like, you know, the story kind of starts with this producer. For it was for a National Geographic reality television show, okay. asking you what the chances are we can get an aggressive 
uh, brown bear encounter on film. I told him zero, and he gets he gets all upset with me. Um, we're on Chichikov Island, which is you know has a very dense population of brown bears, which same thing as a grizzly bear. It's just a coastal grizzly bear. And so I told him, you know, there's zero chance. There's like 10 of us and everyone's screaming and being ridiculous and, you know, basically uh, displacing every every bear in the area is running for its life, scared to death. He's like, and, uh, yeah. Exactly. So he, he gets all mad at me. Um, and it's just like, you know, I, I don't, you know, to me, it's you know just absurd. I mean, it's utterly absurd. And, uh, and then he comes up with a bright idea that he'll, we'll just pretend to be attacked by bears oh for the next God. four days. So, you know, so, I mean, that's kind of where that story starts. And it just basically, um, you know, it's one of those stories where basically it's just how reality TV haunts, haunts, haunts Haunts Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I see what you're saying. I know where you're going with that. This is like reality TV with anything but reality in it. (laughs) Like, let's make up as we go along. Another guide, her that worked, uh, you know, has worked a lot. A friend of mine who's worked with a lot of these, these productions, um, her favorite quote is, you know, this producer, you know, yelling at everyone to give him five minutes of reality, you know, when he's trying to film. So. <laughs> and it's like, okay, all right. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I was debating whether or not to keep that one in and I just, I just did because part of the book is it's trying to just essentially depict the history of northern southeast Alaska, you know, starting you know, at first contact between Russian um, Russians and uh, the Clinkett folks, you know, um, in 1742, and then going up into the present. So that's basically why I was like, well, you know, reality television has really colored, you know, the world's perspective on Alaska. So I, I wanted to include that, okay. even though there's not, you know, there's no real ghosts in that story. And how about you also mentioned something about um, a serial killer by the name of Ed Krause? Oh, yeah, that was, you know, writing that one was, um, that story for me was, that that story is just nuts. Um, And just researching that story, I got to feel like I was a detective. And, you know, it's just, I don't know how it's, the story's crazy. It's like it's waiting for someone with a lot more. But you know what? And and the reason why I'm asking you is that I'm, I mean, God knows everybody everybody gets labeled now serial killer because of the whatever goes with it. But I had never heard mm-hmm. of Ed Krause and I was like, Who's this? I'd never heard of Ed Exactly. Krause. That's exactly what I'm that's I mean, even in Juno. You know, I had heard like a rumor and I grew up in this town, you know, uh-huh. where he did a lot of his killing supposedly. But even in Juno he's not. Most if you went on the street and you you know, the majority of people wouldn't know who Ed Krause is, and the story is just in, incredible. You know, it's just basically this guy who, you know, the biggest gold mine in the world at the time, he worked for, for it, and just the story just kind of spirals out of control, and at the end of it, you're just like, you're not sure what happened. I talked to, you know, he, he's accused of killing all these men and, you know, seizing their, you know, their assets. Like, he'd just take them out into the water, and they disappear, and just, and that's kind of, you know, he's and thought I'm, to kill, I don't know, 10 people or whatever. But then the story just gets crazier and crazier. And I mean, I was talking to uh, the children of people you know, who are now in their 70s mm-hmm. or 80s of who they, you know, 
their parents knew Ed Krause and would be like, you know, it was just this, you know, and just the way he escaped and all these different. Also, he was never uh, caught, or I mean, he escaped. Oh no, he was caught. Okay. He he was he was sentenced to hang, and he was he was. Uh, I mean, he was he ran. I mean, there's just there's so much to that story that it's, it's kind of hard to. So when did this take place? Like what, around the turn of the century, or what? Yeah, I think the first killing was maybe 1913, 1914, okay. and then I think he was he was convicted. I think 1916, 1917. There's never any. It was all circumstantial evidence. Well, I can imagine. Um, he was a socialist, mm-hmm. and he was uh, very much, you know, trying to create these unions for for miners. Um, and so the mine, these huge mining companies that were just essentially ran northern southeast Alaska hated them. Right. Um, and, and in so the meantime, all he was just, doing away with people that he wanted to get a hold of their money, sounds like? <laughs> I mean, that's what the, he's accused of. Um, and, in, you know, in all, in all my research, he very likely was a serial killer. But it's just, it gets really complicated. He escaped from prison in a way that just seems impossible. Like, he had to have had help. Okay. And he bends out, and then he disappears into the you know the rainforest wilderness, and this guy kills him you know two three days later, mm. and, it, and then in my research I I find out that they're actually friends. It just it just and it gets and then this huge the biggest gold mine at the time in the world the Treadwell mine, um it makes a lot more sense if if you read the story. Okay, the so the biggest gold mine in the world, right after he's killed, just. I mean, it's it's coincidence, I'm sure, but it just it completely floods. It's over. It just cl- collapses like three days after he's 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 killed. How interesting! This mine that's gone for forty years, and and you know, which was like his biggest. They were they were you know total enemies, and it's just this wild story. It'd be amazing, like if Martin Scorsese. Like I'm know, telling you, I've never heard of that. Movie. I was like Ed Krause. Who's Ed Krause? And yeah. Because um, I imagine story. out there, number one, I can imagine people disappear, and it's like, who's to say wh- whether they were murdered or, like you said, they got lost. And mm-hmm. um, also, I imagine that a lot of times, I don't know if you've got a population up there where, not I don't want to say transient, but maybe they don't have that many local family. So mm-hmm. there's nobody there to say, hey, what happened to so-and-so? It's been months since I saw him or her, you know, mm-hmm. and, and then come to find out. And <clears throat> like everything else, usually with the police department, unless you get somebody either putting in a missing persons report or badgering them about trying to find this person, it just, I imagine, just dies away and nobody is ever the wiser. Mm-hmm. That Yeah, so, so for this one, very, I mean, it's very likely that he was, he was actually a serial killer, even though there was, a, you know, definitely people who I talked to who didn't believe that. Um, and it's very likely, you know, that he, he probably killed more than eight or nine people. You know, who knows? But I believe just, it. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Let me ask you something. Have you, because I, it sounds like you really, when you're out there, like you said, in the outdoors, you've, you definitely, you're, you're in touch with something out there. Have you ever, let's say, come back home, and gone from one environment, which is the outdoors, to being inside, and you—I don't know. This might sound like really like, like you have something 
like either spiritual or spirit from the outdoors come back with you into your home that you kind of feel a presence? Yeah, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really know about that. Um, I've been doing it for so long that, you know, to me, I can, I can, well, I can adjust all right back into, you know, from being out for weeks by myself to Mm -hmm. back to, you know, being with working and all that. Um, I, one interesting thing was, uh, some friends uh, from down south after reading this book, uh, who 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 are ghost people for sure, okay. warned me. You know, like you, you need to be careful. You opened yourself up to, you know, um, you opened yourself up with this with this project, and you know, you got to be careful about what gets in. So that was kind of interesting to hear them say that, which you know makes you a little bit uh, more worried. But you know, I. I don't know, you know, as far as stuff following me to my actual home. I mean, there are times um, when I'm out in the woods where you just, you just, you can't help but wonder, um, you know, what's going on. If, Let if me ask something. you, have you, have you ever come across animal spirits? Uh, you know, and that's, that's the, you know, that's kind of an interesting thing, uh, you know, because I have, I've had a lot of what I consider haunting experiences with animals, and mm-hmm. you know, I don't know if, if, uh, you know, I was actually kind of thinking about that. You know, could, could a bear uh, haunt? Like, a, could a dead bear? Is, does a dead bear possess? Okay. You know, something. Um, and as far as you know, like, I'm not sure I've come across a human ghost in the, in the traditional sense, at least. You know, of, okay. of that. But I, I mean, I definitely have gone into areas. Um, in the wild, in wild places, and you just know right away you're not supposed to be there. Um, and usually for me, it's more because I realize there's an aggressive bear around, and you know it's like a sense that tells you you need to leave. Um, and that might just be. Oh no, that that sounds like your instincts are on cue, and of course you probably got to yeah, very finely tuned. I don't, I don't know if that's you know if that's a if that's a a spirit thing or it's just some sort of. I was actually. A, yeah, once, you know, once, two hours before it happened, I was, uh, I just got increasingly more and more anxious when I was uh, on one particular trip um, in the Arctic, and I just, you know, it was irrational. I was totally, like, you're acting irrational, Bjorn, and, you know, but I just kept getting more and more nervous. Okay. Building up these two hours, and then, sure enough, a grizzly bear came charging down a mountain at me. Um, wow. And it just kind of, it makes makes you wonder... Did I was did I could I somehow smell that there was a threat or was like what sense was going on that right. made me so anxious? And I've had other a lot of other things kind of like that happen where whether it's danger um, or whether you know. You but it know, sounds like a, you've had I enough had a, experiences that now you kind of listen to it, even if you can't explain it to yourself. In other words. Yeah, and the interesting thing is I'm not really conscious of it when it's going on either. You know, I just feel like, wow, you're you're feeling really anxious or, you know, oh, that there goes a deer down towards one direction. I'll go follow it and it'll lead me, you know, led me to a down plane once that happened. Uh, you know, just stuff like that. And you don't, you can't really, like, you can't really understand it in, like, the logical mm-hmm. Aristotle sort of way of thinking. It's not A, B, C, D. It's just kind of a swirling I don't know what's going on, but it, something's going on. So, and it sounds like, have you ever really had 
a close call with any animal? Which I imagine out oh. there, what what's I mean, the bear and what do you have? You you have wolves out there, right? Yeah, the wolves generally aren't um, really a, a threat. I've had, I mean, I, I work with brown bears. I spent, you know, much of my um, adult life with mm-hmm. with brown bears, and so yeah, I've had a, I've had quite a few close calls. Um, you know, I've never been touched. I've been I've been quite close to being knocked down a few times. Um, had my tent trampled when I was okay when I was with it, and it's, you know, it's just kind of you 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 learn more and more. Uh, every year, you know, I've, I've worked as a, a bear guide, viewing guide, not a hunting guide for, I think, six or seven years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, and those those bears are very different when they're used to people. It's, you know, it's the bears that are um, not used to people kind of peacefully being amongst them that are that can be problems. So, yeah, it, it's definitely, you know, it just goes with the territory. So, And I've only had a problem with a wolf once, and that was because it was a, was injured, sick, and starving, and you know, Aww. just was gonna die if it didn't eat something. So, I was debating whether or not it could, could try to eat me. So, let me ask you does that happen out there? And I, I mean, this is like off the paranormal subject where you start getting animals that either because they're older and firm, they start going around where there's people because they're getting trying to get food, you know, in other words, that they just can't hunt the way they normally would. Do you have that out yeah, that- there? In that in that case, you know that that particular wolf was, you know, I don't think that wolf was more than two years old. Um, mm-hmm. it, its paw had been mangled somehow. Maybe another wolf did it. It was emaciated. It could have had a lot of parasites. And I was in a pretty wild area, so I think it was just. I mean, it just knew if it didn't get, you know, if it, it was going to die. Like I, I mean, it was one of those kind of moral things where I felt like I almost should have just shot it. But then at the same time, you know, it's not my place to... Uh, right, yeah. It's like exactly. Like it, mm-hmm. like it was going to... And then for, for, for bears, you know, for it's not like tigers here with brown bears. Mm-hmm. You know, if you do, there are definitely some aggressive incidents with, with bears that are, that are old, you know. But it, that doesn't happen that often. Usually okay. those old bears or starving bears. I mean, it, it does happen on occasion, but usually, you know, other bears take care of them pretty quickly. Okay, which um, is nature. Nature, in other words. Yeah, just nature. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like at some point, whether they can't hunt for themselves or they get sick or whatever. Okay, mm-hmm. which is understandable. So what would you say has been the experience that you've had that you could say this was the most paranormal-like experience that I've had? Um, yeah, I've had weird sleep paralysis stuff. Um, in the woods, but you know, it's one of those things where I can still say it was sleep paralysis. Uh, but you know, if that sort of stuff that kind of throws you off when you feel, you know, I mean, I'm sure people have sleep paralysis all the time, so I can't say that that was, you know, actually something beyond me or, or not. Um, the pulsations in the Arctic were definitely, uh, were, were one of the biggest by far. And just, you know, uh, I say that was, you know, one where I, I don't know if it's paranormal, though, that I feel like that there's an explanation there. You know, there, I'm sure there's an explanation that we'll figure out for a lot of these paranormal phenomenons that people have, you know, in 30, 40 years. I'm, I imagine, you know, we'll have a better, hopefully, you know, we'll evolve enough to have a better understanding of, of uh, these sort of experiences. But, you know, just lots of, 
you know, just kind of weird coincidence moments of, you know, travels where, you know, weird stuff will happen. Right, that you you can't. And I know sometimes it doesn't, you know, a lot of people sometimes think that paranormal events have to be something really significant. And sometimes it can Mm -hmm. be something kind of like small and very easily overlooked unless you catch it or in hindsight realize, wow, wait a minute, uh, you know. Yeah. So I'm always reluctant, you know, I'm trying to keep my sanity. It's not always easy, you know, uh, especially in the field I work with. So, you know, unless I can uh, really, you know, and sometimes, you know, just, you know, working with people who are, are really suffering from schizophrenia and and, mm-hmm. uh, and the throes of psychosis, it's just, you know, and they're hearing stuff, seeing stuff and, wow. and stuff like that. It's just all about, you know, you're not sure, you know, even time, I find myself questioning, you know, I mean, they're real to that person, and just basically, yeah, sure. for me, I I just try to, you know, unless I can use it in a positive manner or something strange or weird happens, I, you know, unless it's something that I can use in a positive manner, I, I think I probably am guilty of of pushing it out of my head unless, you know, um, yeah, it's something I can use. Well, um, let me yeah, ask- I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, you know what? And, and it's it's. I hate to say, it, but it sounds like you have more contact, and and maybe without using that that idea that you most people get of when you use the word paranormal. It sounds like you have more mm-hmm. than the fair share than average people. It's just not the kind that most people have, just because of where you live at, okay, and the yeah. lifestyle that you lead. Yeah, uh, I think that that could be true. I think you know, it's just kind of. My, I mean, my crazy, I've done a lot of long solo um, trips, uh, you know, biking across, I biked across uh, North America a couple of times by myself on a bicycle and just, there's something really to be said to to be alone, you know, and to have no other things. And you, you do open up to um, just thing, things and feelings and situations that you can't explain afterwards. Um but it's not like in the traditional, you know, Hollywood ghost sense or sure. paranormal sense. It's you know, something very different. Sometimes it's an inexplicable feeling, you know, will come over you and you're just like, I have to leave this place or yeah, occasionally exactly. something, your, your something instincts... not always negative. Too. No, no, be positive. And you know what? I've read of a lot of people that even, we're not even talking a wilderness setting. We're talking, let's say, even in a regular like city, you know, urban setting, they've had that, that, that thing telling them, you know, leave, get out of here. But because they can't explain mm-hmm. it or justify it, they write it off. As, oh, it's my imagination or, and then something, something happens to them. And then later mm-hmm. on they'll recount, Oh, I, I, I was feeling, I, that I need to get out of there, but since I couldn't really justify why I was feeling that way, I didn't. Mm-hmm. Okay, and yeah. I think, like you said, whether it's a, something that we pick up on a subconscious level because maybe there's certain facets that we got going on that just feed us into our brain, and then the end result is, like you said, that feeling of either anxiety or just you need to get out of here now. Fear, mm-hmm. fear, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. We have it. We just, we kind of, especially when you're in an urban setting, you kind of dull it away because it, you know, we want to explain everything too much sometimes. 
Yeah, I, I feel like it's been kind of uh, beaten out of us in a way, and it's kind of an interesting uh, deal with all the, the villages in Alaska. Um, you know, the, the native folks, I mean, most of them have definitely incorporated Christianity into their, mm-hmm. their framework, but they have what, what other people would call just multitudes of superstitions of all sorts, you know, and, uh, and it's just, it's, you know, it's interesting. They're remote enough and, uh, you know, they still very much believe in a wide array of what other people would consider, you know, well, you know, probably considered not true, but also just, you know, very paranormal mm-hmm. uh, uh, entities and events. And, you know, if you want to get ghost stories, go down to the Yukon Cusculum Delta. I mean, everyone there believes in ghosts and little people and all sorts of stuff. And Oh, because they had you know, also, I, I imagine they had uh, all that. Uh, do they have any ghost towns over there from like the you know the gold rush days and stuff like that? Because I know some oh, of those yeah. towns went up and then they just once whatever it was over, everybody left and you got just a ghost town yeah. left behind. Yeah, oh, you know actually that that is actually one of uh that was actually I actually yeah I guess I so this is kind of a, a paranormal story where uh and it, it happened after this book was published, but my uh, my partner uh, wanted to retrace the most famous uh, Klondike Gold Rush route that prospectors used in, you know, 1896-1897 to get from Alaska up into the Yukon Gold Fields, and it's, it's like, I don't know, 35 miles of hiking and then 600 miles of paddling. Wow. But when when they were prospecting, so she wanted to retrace it, and, uh, you know, I, any chance I can to go on a trip, um, I'm, uh, you know, I'll take it. And, uh, but on this, on the, the route, there, you know, there's all these ghost towns like you're talking about and some of them you know in one winter had 10,000 people in a tent city uh-huh. and uh, we were uh, camped out at Bennett Lake which was kind of it's the start of the Yukon River where all these prospectors you know they built their boats and they waited all winter for the ice to go out so they could paddle down to the gold fields and uh, you know we were camped there and I mean we didn't sleep a wink that night I mean it's just this there's still remnants, you know, broken glass, mm-hmm. and there's uh, one old cathedral that's still set up. Really? Um, and anyhow, you know, we get up in the morning, and my girlfriend's on early rise, or she was ready to go at four, and, you know, she just had a weird look on her face. I hadn't slept at all during the night, and uh, we're starting to, we paddle away, and, you know, she looks back, and she's not a ghost person at all. You know, she's very logical. She's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that place is place is haunted but you know she didn't want to talk about it until we were a couple miles away but you know just that sort of I mean what was going on there was no ghost or anything that I'm conscious of that we were anxious and could not sleep at all you know it just didn't feel right like we were you know talking about earlier so yeah kind of interesting exactly like you can't put your finger on it but you go this is not my normal this is not how I normally would feel just because I can't Mm -hmm. explain why but let me ask you have because you mentioned it earlier do you ever take people out looking for bigfoot i have never never done that you know i've never uh it was a very it was a lot of fun for me but i i uh attended a a bigfoot conference there's one section in this book that deals with you know bigfoot mm-hmm. you know largely about bigfoot sightings in in the southeast alaska but it's you know more just kind of on our relationship okay our, our, our relationship to 
wildlands and basically most of our kind of divorced, like most of us don't really have that relationship to wild places anymore and how, you know, Bigfoot's kind of this wilderness spirit or whatever you want to call it. And, you know, some people's opinions, some people believe you know, Bigfoot's a, an alien. Some people believe it's, you know, an undiscovered, you know, hominid. So I went to a conference, which uh, was interesting, um, enjoyable. But for me, you know, the whole, the Bigfoot thing is being that I spent so much time um, in wild places in Alaska, it's kind of hard for me to, well, I was going to say, everything leaves a sign. considering you know, how much time sign. you spend out there, you would be the perfect, per- mm-hmm. I'm thinking to myself, if anybody would have had a sighting, if it was out there, it would be him. <laughs> you know? Yeah, so everything leaves a sign, you know, that's kind of where I'm at. And So anyhow, I don't know. I don't want to ruin Bigfoot for anyone. But oh no! The story, let me tell you yeah. something. It's <laughs> I, I, I live in Miami. The closest thing we got to Bigfoot down here is a skunk ape, and I haven't run across him yet. Uh, but it sounds yeah. like a lot of the <clears throat> what you're talking about is elemental spirits. Let me ask you something. That spirit that you were saying, you know, that people become it if they, you know, if they're lured away or done away mm-hmm. with. That's that's something totally different, like from a Wendigo, right? Because it sounds almost like the origins of it are from the Native yeah, it's, Americans it's, that live there. Yeah, it's uh, um, it's pretty like the Wendigo. You know, as far as my understanding, was basically kind of this cannibalistic spirit, and it was mm-hmm. kind of uh, inspired from the madness that comes with uh, starvation. Right. Um, that's how I understand the Wendigo stuff. Um, and Kushka is it's it's. It's much more complicated. You know, it's one of those things that I've heard of my whole life, and until I did this project, I, I feel like I just wasn't giving it, or I had no real concept besides the mm-hmm. fact that it scared me. You know, it's a scary thing. And then, you know, it's, the best I can understand it is it's like it's, it's kind of a, almost a metaphor for the innate darkness that just about all of us have in us, you know, the, the ability to, to be a, to be, you know, essentially a monster, uh, but it's also wrapped up in nature. You know, it's a living metaphor that lives, lives in, um, lives in, you know, the the ocean and the wilderness and, you know, in its most normal form looks like a half human, half land otter, um, you know, this beast thing, but it can also shape shift into anything, you know, oftentimes it can, you know, be a, It'll be a crying baby deep in the woods, and it will lure you that way. Right. It almost sounds like it's got some elements of a skinwalker wrapped in there, you know, where it kind of takes a different form depending on... Yeah, I'd say, you know, maybe a little closer to the skinwalker than the Wendigo, where, you know, the Wendigo, I think, you know, it's it's been documented, and I think, you know, it's a real deal as far as it's been documented as a mental condition. Right. by Western science is, you know, where these, these people, and yeah, I find it fascinating is that like, you know, these, I think it's mostly Cree folks and Algonquin folks where, or even white folks that lived in the area where they're, they're told these stories mm-hmm. of the Wendigo, you know, I, I don't, you know, this is more back before we had access to grocery stores all the time and all that stuff. But then, you know, you, you're starving. Right. And you're, you already know this story of of the Wendigo, and exactly. then something snaps in a person, and they believe they're the Wendigo. I mean, working with a 
with uh, psych patients. I mean, some days, you know, you, you have days where, you know, half the unit believes they're Jesus. <laughs> Another half the unit believes they're Satan. Like, I, I mean, I've had that happen. Does Do so. you get, because of, because you have, um, I know there's a lot of people that because you spend, you know, your seasons, you have so much darkness. In other words, you don't, you have limited uh, sunshine. Do you have any people that have that, uh, that are affected by that, by the weather? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's totally, it's pretty funny to think in the context that you're in Miami and I'm, I'm in uh, Alaska and how different our realities are. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, seasonal uh I know that I believe it's seasonal effect disorder, and yeah, it's, that's um, it. Uh, it, it's it's definitely prevalent. I mean, um, in a very real, sad sense, you know, we have such a high rate of uh, of suicides and homicides and mm-hmm. abuse, and it's you know it's related to the darkness and. I was going to say, I'm sure they've trended it and found that there's a an uptick probably in what the winter months or things like that. Yeah, yeah, I don't know the exact. You know, I'm sure they they have, but I mean, I think we we just about lead the the nation, or probably lead the nation in all things bad when it comes to that sort of stuff. So, for for capita, so. Well, well, you know, as human beings, I guess. I mean, there's a, but there's also I can understand with the weather, but I also think um, a lot. There's other factors also that that can figure in there as to how people are affected. You know, mm-hmm. it's not it's not going to be strictly a, like a weather thing. There's also other a lot of background stuff that can, you know, make one person predisposed to uh, going into depression versus another one, mm-hmm. you know, rides it out like oh, I wish it was sun, but since it's not, and I live in Alaska, okay, you know. In other words, they yeah. see the positive aspects of where they're at because it's over there. I mean, I've never been personally to Alaska, but it's beautiful. You know, it it all depends mm-hmm. on from what. You know how you approach it from what end you approach it. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. You know whether you see the up or the down part of it, and mm-hmm. um, one of the. Uh, but yeah, I know I know what you mean. That as far as uh, yeah, Alaska has got you know certain numbers that whether it's the uh, suicides or the homicides and and uh, I know like you said, that there's more men out there than women, right? I don't know what the ratio is right now, but... Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's... Uh, I mean, where I live is kind of the liberal capital of Alaska. Um, so there's... Ratio here, you know, is pretty equal. Okay. Um, but then, you know, the further north you go, um, the further north you go, the less less women there are, for sure. You know, there's just more men. So. I'm going to ask you, and I know this is... I know you. It sounds like you take out um, people that go hunting out there. I guess that's certain times that they allow, you know, hunting of whatever animals that they allow. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I, I actually, what I do is I take people out um, to view wildlife, not to, not to hunt. I, oh, okay. I am I'm sorry, I misunderstood. Hunter, I thought that that, no, that okay. you worked with that. Okay. Um, yeah. Because I was, I'm not a hunter. <laughs> I want to say I'm, I'm a wimp. I don't. I'm, I'm not, I mean, I love animals, and don't get me wrong. Yeah. I'm sure that if I had to to feed myself, I would. I mean, I'm not into like <laughs> I'm into self preservation, in other words. But um, yeah, I I hear you. It's hunting's a. I mean, it's a serious thing to 
I mean, I grew up subsistence hunting, which, you know, that's hunting for food and, you know, catching salmon and hunting deer, but, you know, it's, it's a serious, very serious thing to take an animal's life, and, yeah, it's, it's yeah, sad. Yeah. And, I'm an animal lover. You know, I'm, I'm an animal. animal. I mean, that's the thing. I'm an animal lover, too, and it's, it's you know, it's one of those things that you, I but don't no, know. No, 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 I, I get, don't know. But at the same time, don't get me wrong, there's a lot of people that are animal lovers, and they're anti-hunting. I'm not that kind of yeah, person. Oh, yeah. I'm an animal yeah. lover, but I understand that there's people out there that are hunters and that they they consume or they, you know, what they hunt. And that's understandable. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay. Yeah. I mean, let's face it. I'm not going to be a hypocrite. What do you think? What happens to what I eat? The chickens, the cows. What do you think? They're not hunted. But yeah. It was yeah. a living animal before, you know, was killed and, and used for food. But, um, and I, my, I guess my question is, have you ever had, anybody go out there taking somebody out let's say uh for whatever reason and they've had their own experience or you've something's gone on with them where they're not used to being out in this setting okay like you are oh. <laughs> uh yeah i mean all, all I mean, that happens i mean i think the headline in the anchorage paper was people being rescued off you know deer hunters yesterday um yeah i mean i think i think the I think it, yeah, I think it definitely throws people off who aren't used to, I mean, like where I live, it's, it's just jungle and mountains. So, you know, you're going to go wander around in the, the woods. It's a totally different deal. Um, or, you know, I didn't write, I didn't write about this, but there was one lady once who I encountered, she was from back East, but she was camped on a salmon stream to try on Almerty Island, which, you know, is supposedly densest concentration of brown bears in the world, and camping on the salmon stream there is like camping on the brown bears' dinner table, which is just, you know, it's just ridiculous to ever think about doing that. You know, one, it's dangerous, and two, it's disrespectful to the bears, and mm-hmm. you know, she was a professor from back east trying to answer philosophical questions that I didn't totally understand, and but, uh, but yeah, I mean, for her, I mean, she was just baffled. You know, the bears weren't acting the way she expected them to act. And, you know, to her, it was, wow. it was you know, it was interesting to walk. You know, she ended up having to be rescued. Um, but, you know, it was just kind of an example of, yeah, I mean, I think. That people that it's not what, have you ever, and I don't know I, when you're out there, what you tent or, you know, you're, you're, you go in a tent or I don't know. Have you ever been in one of those, whether it's, a structure or tent, whatever the case. Have you ever heard something outside that you oh, said, I'm not going out there to find out what it is? <laughs> oh, no, you see, that's the thing is you have to go outside. Is basically, you know, you don't, basically with a bear, and, you know, for me it's, it's uh, you know, when you, there's a saying here growing up in northern southeast Alaska, you don't, we don't need Bigfoot, we have brown bear. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And to me, it's it's not ever, to me, it's always, you know, because they're, I mean, brown bears aren't nearly as dangerous as the media would like everyone to think. You know, National right. Geographic is kind of totally full of it. Um, but they are still dangerous, for sure. And uh, so for me, it's, uh, when I hear a sound, when I hear something investigating the tent, there's there's no question in my mind. It's, you have to go out and, um, and find let out the bear know is. that you, you have to let the bear know, or, you know, sometimes it will be a wolf. Uh, but yeah, you know, and it's, you don't, it's not one of those things where you, 
<laughs> it's better to go out. It's better <laughs> the Marlene to go out approach. Say, I'm just gonna stay in my tent. <laughs> yeah, that's just that's not. You know, that's you not the way that. you want to be. If, if a, no, okay. it just doesn't work. You know, because you know any sort of weakness, any sort of uh, passiveness, um, as far as you know, if a bear does seek your tent out, um, you need to let the bear know that you know, you're you're not gonna be a pushover. So for me, you know, I hear a sound, it's it's you just have to. I mean you it's have to go out there and find out what's thought. making that. Okay. You have to go, you know, talk to it and confront it. So have you well, let's go down that road. Have you ever heard a noise outside? Whatever, whatever, oh. wherever you're at. And oh, you go out there and there's nothing that you're like, Okay, so there's no bear, there's no wolf, there's what what was it that made that noise? You know, most of the time when I hear the noise it's um you know, I heard a noise, uh, you know, usually going out, opening the tent and stepping out and talking to, you can't always see it because it's dark, mm-hmm. but you'll, you know, usually that will push them off. Um, you know, one, one occasion I couldn't tell what it was, but it was right next to the tent and in the morning I realized it was a wolf, you know, oh, just checking things out, it wasn't a threat, but you know, lots, lots of, I, I, I guess I shouldn't say lots of, quite a few times, you know, I have had bears. Um, the, the, the craziest one was where I, I, uh, I woke up not knowing, I woke up to someone yelling, Hey, 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 which was me. I didn't realize I was yelling, <laughs> leaping out of the tent as fast as I could as a bear, you know, made this big, uh, kind of grunting sound and ran the other way. Um, <laughs> and the other way happened to be over my tent was the shortest distance away. So I was half, I was leaping out of the tent with 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 my with a pistol, and the wow. bear you know trampled my tent going the other way. So yeah, you know, it's just kind of one of those. Yeah, years so you yeah, that's where your subconscious is ahead of you before you're actually. Yeah, so you know, for me it was like, for me it's it's kind of funny where if it was something supernatural, it would make me not any more scared than if it was, you know, a brown bear because a brown bear. You know what? You know, it, something that's just going to mess with you. If it's something that's just going to, you know, mess with you and try to scare you versus something that wants to eat you, it's... That's my point, you know? exactly. <laughs> you live a reality that most people don't, okay? That you don't have to worry. Like I just said, yeah, me being a wimp, I'm not going to go outside. But you said, forget it. My reality is that I need to go outside because what's out there could not be something spooky. Know that I'm not Much tasty. worse than <laughs> something spooky could kill me or eat me or whatever. So, yeah, that puts yeah. a whole different thing on it where, okay, so I heard some noise I can account for. Who cares? You know, I've, I deal with other circumstances where the end result could be me losing my life or getting attacked by a wild animal or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I see where your threshold for really being wigged out is much much higher than the average person just because of the yeah. lifestyle it's yeah and i mean it's just it's like one of those things you know fears generally i mean it can be rational but it's just it's kind of almost something that's been taught largely too versus it's just kind of you know it doesn't have to be that way it just you oh. know if you're camping out in the bear's country it's like you should expect to I mean, you can do it generally safely, but, you know, you're going to have to expect that there's going to be bears around and some might be curious what you're doing in their 
you know, in their in their woods, so they'll check yeah, you out. Like you said, the the consequences of just like staying and not finding out could be, I imagine, terrible depending on what it is that's actually there. Like I said, your yeah, reality I mean, is much different than than everybody. Yeah, else's. the first the first bear that I really had on my tent, I think I was eighteen at the time, and um, I just I did the whole I'm gonna lay in my covers and try to be philosophical as if you know animals grunting and groaning and plastering the tent with its wet nose I'm just like you know and I was just like and that was I mean, yeah it was one of those moments where I'll just lay here and not say anything I hope it goes away mm-hmm. and it did you know and that's how most bear encounters work they're incredibly tolerant with how stupid us people are um, but you know if I had gone I'd heard it approaching if I had left the tent earlier, it never would have had the courage to, um, to, you know, mess with the tent as it, as it did for, you know, a couple, a minute or two or whatever it was. So. Yes. Kind of sounds like they don't want to have anything to do with us. So. No, they don't like us at all. I mean, we're terrible. I mean, on Almerty Island, as I mentioned earlier, it's, it's a, the clinket name is Kutsnawoo, Fortress of the Brown Bear, supposedly death's concentration of brown bears in the world. There's been, every year, about 50 brown bears are killed by trophy hunters. Oh There's been God. one one person killed by a brown bear in the last 100 years. And That's he horrible. shot the bear, shot the bear first. So it's like, you know, who, who's the real scary animal? Really? Let me ask you, do you guys have problems? Being? Do you guys have problems with poachers out there? Uh, you know, I would like to think not. And I, I don't, I, you know, it's, it's regulated, uh, the fishing game, mm-hmm. um, does a good job of, of regulating. I, I feel like in, you know, actually most of the, the hunting guides, the vast majority of them are really good people, you know, who mm-hmm. care a lot about bears and, you know, if they, if, if they knew any sort of poaching was going on, they would, they would do every, they'd scream bloody murder and stop it. So I, I feel good between fishing game and the, you know, the actual, Okay. Um, most most of the bear hunting guides um, are, you know, staunch. Uh, you know, they they care about the bears a lot. They would not let poaching happen. So. In other words, they're conservationists also, as far they, as they are, and that's another hard thing for a lot of you know environmentalists to wrap their heads around is that these these bear hunting a lot of these bear hunting guides are they care about the bears mm-hmm. a lot. So it's just, you know, it's kind of one of those. As far as, irony. yeah. I don't, know if, I don't know if it's an irony or if it's just, I don't know. Well, I think that a lot of people sometimes, they kind of think about where, you know, when there was hunting that, you know, without any type of anybody checking on it. And of course, you know, you had certain species that were hunted almost into its extinction. But I don't think that that's the case anymore, even, you know, when hunting's allowed. that like Because, like you said, they you know, you got to do it a certain time or there's only certain animals mm-hmm. like you can hunt, et cetera. Uh, so, yeah, yeah. I, I, I hope not. I hope we don't decimate our wildlife too much more than we already have, but we'll, yeah. But, Bjorn, thank you so much. It has been wonderful to talk to you, okay? Um, yeah. I think it's so interesting because you live in existence that a lot of people would think of as an adventure that they would maybe take, have a one week adventure thing going on and you live this life. Okay. Thank you. Um, And uh, 
it it kind of gives us um, a shift. I, I think it's incredible, like what you're talking about, all these senses that you you basically develop and rely on and are second nature to you now, which I think at one point majority of humans would use all the time. But like everything else, we kind of like put them away and either leave them off to our imagination or they get in the way and we don't develop them. But you don't, you rely on them. And yeah, I mean, maybe they, they just don't serve you or serve, exactly. you know, we, we develop what serves us and kind of interesting to think about. So. Well, sometimes I get, I think also we get too much into wanting to quantify things a certain way. And mm-hmm. if you can't quantify it, then it either doesn't exist or serves no purpose. And how do you quantify, like you said, a feeling that you get without any reason that you could think either you hear or you see you just feel it there's no way that you can translate that and produce a proof of it you know and in that case but in your you know the lifestyle that you have it absolutely serves the purpose of keeping you safe and same thing how many how could you ever um when you dodge a bullet you sometimes you never know that you dodged it in other words based on mm-hmm. you doing or not doing something. And that's like that's like the big question mark. You'll never know. Uh, but there's other times from what you've told me that, yeah, that afterwards you were able to prove like, okay, now I understand why I felt that way. Or thank God that I did or didn't do a certain thing because I just listened to my, my gut or what was going on mm-hmm. in my head. And I didn't have to wait till I got that concrete proof before I said, okay, I can do or not do that. You know, so yeah, you have a... a super unusual lifestyle and uh i can imagine that um that every day for you is like wow and you're going now into your what you're writing now that is it's going into winter over there now what you're going into your writing cycle now your indoor uh yeah yeah i got a another book coming out in april it's actually just kind of hunting and fishing and outdoor humor okay. stories but but the main thing I'm I'm trying to keep up with just different um, articles for Alaska Magazine and stuff like that. But uh, the main project I'm working on right now is our relation, just kind of humans' relationship. Ours, I'm a human too, I think, mm-hmm. uh, with brown bears in wilderness. So that's kind of been my my project this winter is just interviewing and writing about um, different people who um, have a re- you know a deep relationship with brown bears, whether it's hunting them or viewing them or you know uh whatever and so that's that's kind of what i'm working on right now sounds great fantastic good luck to you i wish you all the best and happy new year happy new year and thanks for giving me your time absolutely no thank you take care bye Bye bye-bye what do you think i loved it (laughs) talk about paradigm shift I mean, when you, like I said, I wasn't kidding. The lifestyle that he leads, especially I imagine when it's not winter, is like what people think of, uh, I'm going to have, I'm going to take a vacation. I'm going to go out there and rough it on a camping trip. This guy does it all the time. And um, one of the things that I find most admirable is that he really, seems to be okay with being with himself by himself 
And it sounds almost like at some point where you, whether you're forced to do that. And there's a lot of people that cannot handle that. They can't. They either got to have people around them. And if they don't, at the very least, they got to have the TV on or the radio on. They just don't know how to either uh, be with by themselves, you know. And I'm sure there's places that maybe he goes that forget the, there's no phone reception. We're not talking here like, you know, I'm going to go on Facebook or on Twitter or text somebody, you know, you're out there and um, you have to be with yourself. I think most, more people ought to do it, myself included, because um, it gives you more insight. I just think a lot of people are a little bit afraid of what they're going to find, you know, when you look inwards. Uh, but in his case, like I said, I don't think he has much of a choice because I mean, wherever you go, there you are. And um, I know he was a little bit reticent because I, I, I have that feeling that in some cases he doesn't want to have that label of supernatural paranormal hung on some of his experiences, which for all we know, he's the only one that was there. But it sounds like uh, he really has this very strong spiritual connection to what's out there whether you want to call it the wilderness the land the, the animals the whole thing um and i think at one point we all had it you know when we lived regularly in those circumstances uh where you know you either had to hunt to survive or you had to be really tuned to your environment to know what was going on in other words you didn't have let's say the weather to give you the forecast you know you would look at what are animals doing um uh migrations all those things uh and i think that when you start when you hook up into that wavelength that spiritual wavelength um you start having more of those paranormal experiences and by this i'm not talking about ghosts I'm talking about paranormal as in feelings, uh, connections, even with wild animals, like he described um, certain behaviors that you do without needing to get some type of concrete evidence. Oh, I'm going to do or not do that because of this. Like, in other words, you learn to do that. Um I think that 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 comes as part and parcel. So I'm sure that he's got a lot of stories, which I wish I'm hoping to get him back on. And maybe he will talk a little bit more about those uh, experiences that he's had when he's out there, when he's out there. And um, especially the connections with the animals. Okay, like he said, he made reference. You know, you know there's something going on you're not talking obviously they don't have vocal cords we're not talking but somewhere along the line he's seen maybe some type of communication uh, on what level maybe he doesn't understand but that the only way you can explain the behavior of an animal towards you in this setting which is the wilderness is because there is some type of communication that's got to be super interesting i love it and i know he he was hesitant about throwing cold water on the um on those out there that believe in bigfoot 
But I'll tell you what, what he was describing, okay, uh, about this, I don't want to, it's, it's obviously, it, it, it's not uh, a skinwalker, even though uh, I believe he called it a kushka or something like that, kushtaka or something like that, I believe it was. It does have some aspects of like a skinwalker. In other words, it takes the form or uh, lures you in different ways, whatever maybe might be more appropriate to what's going to get your attention. Let me tell you something. That's really scary. And once you go out there and you disappear, you become one too? What? Let me tell you something. That's, that's scary. I don't know about you, but it's like, I can, I, I can see why they tell the kids. You better, and what he was saying where he's had all these people, you know, from the most conservative ones to uh, maybe some of the patients that he works with <laughs> telling him stories. And uh, like he said, it's almost like, like what he was saying after he started to research his book. Besides the, the stories that he had heard growing up there. He actually started interviewing people and other people were coming to him that he was probably surprised what they were telling him. Some sure somewhere in his head he's thinking, this person is not BSing me. Whatever it is, however far out there it is, this person's really telling me the truth. Or what they think is the truth, then who am I to say it's not? So yeah, it's something else to wrap your head around. So anyway, guys, thank you so much for viewing. Please subscribe to my channel. Hit the like button. If you've been hearing a little bit of noise from my animals, it's because for once it's actually cool here in uh, in Miami and I had to bring in my, my birds from out on the porch. It's a little bit too windy and rainy, so I didn't want them to get sick. And of course, they've got their own thing going on. I don't know if, it, if you guys could hear it or not. But anyway, guys, uh, catch me on Facebook. Catch me on Twitter. Uh, like I've said before, I'm asking for my true believers. Send me your stories. It's every, any way you want. Marlene at MiamiGhostChronicles.com. You know, uh, just tape yourself with um, with your phone, an MP3. You're going to be seeing some of my videos coming out where I've actually gone and interviewed people and filmed them. You're going to be see, seeing some shows coming up now in, in Season 3 of Stories of the Supernatural where I've interviewed people and filmed them. And their stories are fantastic, so please... I look forward to meeting some of you if that's what it takes or if not doing it over the phone or Skype also and uh, I want to hear your stories so again thank you so much for uh, those of you that see our show on YouTube and of course all my audience out there that just listens to the podcast versions you can find us on Spreaker, iHeartRadio, iTunes, Mixcloud we're out there Thank you all for being my audience and happy 2018.